Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 11th of May 2012. For newcomers, I always suggest you make use of CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com website. You'll find hundreds and hundreds of audios for free download. All the sites listed on the com site carry audios and transcripts in English for print-up. And if you want transcripts in other languages, go into Alan Watt Sentient, sentinel.eu. And the whole point of it is to give you the understanding of the system you're really born into, the big con game they call democracy, uh, with a free press, of course. And I'd show you how very important people a long time ago, very, very rich people, people who owned whole chunks of the world, even in the 1800s, decided to get together, form their big club, and they would take over all the resources of the world, and they would use this con of democracy to get it through, and then they'd gradually train you that you're not democratic at all. We can't be democratic. It's just too many conflicting, arguing sides. So they'd simply run it for you. You know, the intelligentsia, the ones who've evolved better uh, and, and, and more straighter than the rest of us because the proof that the fact they own all the money and the wealth in the world is the proof in itself. So go into the audios, you'll find a long history of uh, the big system there. And I go into how really the same organization set up the League of Nations, the United Nations, and they said eventually that CEOs, corporate CEOs, would rule the world. The, the new feudal overlords, they said, because they're bringing in a new feudala, uh, feudalized type system. That's what you're in today. They call it the Great Transition, by the way. And I mentioned it yesterday uh, that Mr. Baikan Moon actually dressed it that way at his big meeting with Kissinger and all the rest of them. This great transition, of course, has a massive upheaval across the world with the, as they finish off their wars. They've already decided that Muslims will not fit in, so they must be plummeled into the earth, and those that are left will have to either join in or, you know, go the way of the dodo bird. And um, and that's their, their their whole plan for the big world, the one world system. You can't have people going their own way in a world one world system. And remember too, you uh, bring me to you. You are the audience that bring me to you. You can help buy the books and discs that I use to just take along with, and uh, you can purchase them at cuttingthroughmedias.com. And from the U.S. to Canada, personal checks are good, along with postal. Uh, money orders from the post office, international postal money orders, and you can also send cash or use PayPal across the world, Western Union, MoneyGram, and PayPal once again. And I can't really stress how bad the situation is. Most people actually adapt into the changes without thinking much about it because the media kind of you know, hypnotizes you and, and just, just brings you along with them and without much reasoning from yourself until if you look back just a few years and say, what on earth has really happened? If you have that kind of memory, very few folk unfortunately don't today. Their minds are bombarded. Their minds are very sluggish because of the, the food they're eating and by the, the spray that they're getting all the day, every day from the chem sprays and chemtrails overhead. 
and also from all the inoculations they got. The war started a long, long time ago. It started with the first inoculations to dumb down the planet after they had global meetings to, to talk about uh, the, the possibility of losing the public control over the public down the road. That's when they also came up with, my goodness, there's going to be a whole bunch of old folk in 50 years' time. And what they really meant by it was, we're sterilizing them so they won't have any children to look after them. That's what they really meant by that. They'd always had old folk, remember? (laughs) So, even right down to the 50-year plans to start bringing massive immigration into the West, because they knew we wouldn't be having children. They just knew that 50 years prior. Very interesting, isn't it? Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm back, cutting through the matrix, talking about the system we're born into and how we're trained not to actually see it as it really is. It's difficult for most folk to grasp that. They really believe that no one could keep such secrets from the general public, but in reality, there's a complete system to keep you living in unreality. And it was there long before you were born and before your parents were born, for that matter, too. All you do, really, is just bring up trusting slaves. It's quite simple. And there's no reason for them to think that everyone could possibly, not necessarily being straightforward lying to them, but even misconstruing the news that they give you. But news is always misconstrued. I've gone through before, when in the 1930s, that Morgan and a whole bunch of them, and uh, the Rockefellers got together, all the big power boys, with the big plan, of course, that was already in action. They got together and decided how many banks, and not just banks, they owned most of the banks, but newspapers they'd have to own to influence all uh, and give all opinions to Americans. And they came up after a sort of think tank study that 30 major ones was all they needed at that time. And eventually, of course, you got Reuters and, and AP, and Reuters was a Rothschild conglomerates that still runs the world today. So now you've got, it's all coming down through one main one today. So we all get the same standard news across the whole planet now. And that keeps everybody in the dark. And, um, and that's good enough for the general population. They really don't think much of the population, you understand, at the top. You should hear the way they actually talk about us all. I've used some terms on this radio, which is nothing to where, to where they call you at the top of the tree. And we're going through the great transitions, as it says, that Bankai Moon. I'll put that up again today, his address to his own peer group to do with the great transitions, which also meant the complete alteration of all the Middle East and more parts of the world that must be hammered in, basically, to fit into this one system. They either die or, or they get eliminated. So it's as simple as that. And I read from the Army's um, journal yesterday, too, the same kind of thing, how they've been teaching the troops, the officers actually, the officer corps, uh, Hiroshima-style tactics to do with Muslims. Oh, they'll never fit into the system, and therefore, you know, it's total war on them all, which means complete elimination for those who don't understand it. Total war was the, the term they used for bombing in World War II, all of the civilian populations uh, and uh, in Germany and in Britain, total war. And it was uh, Sandhurst College that first came up with that idea and taught it to the Germans when they came over to get trained there. 
Now, you'll never ever get out from under this corrupt money system because remember, it's, the, it's a feudal system we're living in now. As Carol Quigley said, it was to become a feudal system. Remember what Lenin said, that the states would wither away? You see, they were to combine together and bring in this new system, a form of socialism or communism to run the general public with masses of agencies over the top of us, layers and layers of agencies. And, and at the top, of course, you would have the ones, the new CEOs, the overlords of the feudal system. And that's what it's really, we're, we're here, folks. We're, we're really here. And he's an article here, for instance, is how Wall Street killed financial reform. And I've said forever that they'll never change the system that allows the banks to crash and then get bailed out. They'll never change it. They bail you out. We bail them out and it's twice a century, at least twice, sometimes more individually, but collectively about twice a century. And they've been doing that for hundreds of years. So they don't want the rules changed so that they can always crash the banks again, you understand. That's that's why they don't change them. When people try to change them, they, they soon uh, demolish the bills, etc. Here's one. So how Wall Street killed the financial reform. It's bad enough that the banks strangled the Dodd-Frank law, even worse is the way they did it, with a big assist from Congress and the White House. And it's just two years ago when he signed the Dodd-Frank Wall Street Reform and Consumer Protection Act. What a joke, eh? President Barack Obama bragged that he'd dealt a crushing blow to the extravagant financial corruption that had caused a global economic crash in 2008. These reforms represent the strongest consumer financial protections in history. What a joke, eh? What a joke. Anyway, it says this is supposed to be the big one. At 2,300 pages, the new law ostensibly wrote, uh, rewrote the rules for Wall Street. It was going to put an end to predatory lending in the mortgage markets, track down on hidden fees and penalties in credit contracts, and create a powerful new Consumer Financial Protection Bureau to safeguard ordinary consumers. That will be the day when they help ordinary consumers. Big banks would be banned from gambling with taxpayer money, and a new set of rules would limit speculators from making the kind of crazy-ass bets that cause wild spikes in the price of food and energy, which is a bigger joke still because uh, the big boys own the energy of the world, these big front organizations for the banks, these corporations that bought up all the, the gas, oil, and the water, everything else, and the food supply. There would be no more I or AIGs and the world would never again face a final apocalypse when a bank like Lehman Brothers went bankrupt. And most importantly, even if any of that fiendish crap ever did happen again, Dodd-Frank guaranteed we wouldn't be expected to pay for it. <laughs> the American people will never again be asked to foot the bill for Wall Street's mistake, Obama promised. I like politicians, they're always doing promising stuff, you know. There were no more taxpayer-funded bailouts, period. Two years later, Dodd-Frank is groaning on its deathbed. The giant reform bill turned out to be like a fish reeled in by Hemingway's old man, no sooner caught than set upon by sharks that strip it to nothing, long before it even reaches the shore. In a furious blow, the radar effort at gutting the law, roundly despised by Washington's Wall Street paymasters, a troop of water carrying Eric Cantor Republicans, are speeding nine separate bills through the House, all designed to roll back the few genuinely toothy portions left in Dodd-Frank. Mind you, they've got this, both parties, even mentions that with the Quislings and the, and the Democrats too. The special people, you have to look at their names to see if they're related to the guys in Wall Street, and they generally are. But it says here, um, the fate of Dodd-Frank over the past two years is an object lesson in the government's inability 
to institute even the simplest and most obvious reforms, especially if those reforms happen to clash with powerful financial interests. From the moment it was signed into law, lobbyist lawyers have fought regulations or regulators over every line in the rulemaking process. Congressmen and presidents may be able to get a law passed once in a while, but they can no longer make sure it stays passed. It's different when they want to create martial law in the public. It's it's a stroke of the pen that they're straight in, and that's it. But when it comes to the money boys, you know, they just can't get it right somehow. It's just, you know. Meanwhile, it's like everything else in the U.S. government's. It's like the FDA, it's all, it's all stacked with guys from Big Pharma that have been put into it to make sure that they can pass all the drugs and, and the rotten food with the chemicals in it. But it's the same with, uh, with um, Wall Street, they've got their boys in all through the Congress and so on. They're all cousins and go to the same parties and stuff. Anyway, so that's pretty well dead. So they'll, they'll, they'll plunder us again down the road and then they get bailed out again as always. It's not bad having that kind of... Uh, you know, I used to wonder about Britain and other countries because I noticed very, very early on everybody was getting trained at school to be an employee, you see. It was never, ever suggested anywhere that you can go out and make it on your own. I mean, we, were, we were raised to be nations of employees, of these kind of guys that now own the banks, you see. And, um, and that's very, very true. That's how, how we've always been run at the top, just like a big herd. Of people, and we're treated like a herd too. Now, this article too is to do with everybody's talking about the Hunger Games, uh, how they're predictive programming all the public, uh, to do with the upcoming mess the world is supposed to go even further with, and they have like, these games where people slaughter each other to get to the top, maybe get a, a piece of pizza or something in a world that's starving. Anyway. Hunger Games social media video with Israeli roots hits the jackpot. So it's Israeli roots again. It's, a, it's post-apocalyptic America and you're in District 12 of Panem. With your bow and arrow, you're helping Katniss and uh, Everdeen hunt for meat and berries to bring back to your family. I tell you, things are going to get tough, eh? uh, President Snow, the evil dictator, is planning the next Hunger Games in which children are placed in an arena to fight to the death and you might be chosen. It says, with social network games typically played online through a social network such as Facebook or a, a mobile device, replacing the console system as the standard in recent years, Funtac uh, Ticks, it's called, Funtac Ticks, finds itself well-positioned, so that's a company. Dunger Games Adventures is just the latest conquest for a company that's been receiving plenty of hype from gaming experts for integrating social game, gaming with brand, uh, big brand marketing. Last year, Funtac Ticks, Partnered with, uh, partnered with Paramount Pictures and Warner Brothers, well, you need contacts for that, but that's no problem, it's kind of like Wall Street, to create Facebook games centered on Rango, Mission Impossible, and New Boys. Now it seems to have hit the jackpot. Funtac Tix is the first company to launch a Facebook game released on the same date as the movie on which it is based. Uh, it's going it's to rake in the cash, obviously, because all the big boys are in on this one. This Funtactix began as a startup company in Tel Aviv, 2006, and now has offices in New York, Jerusalem, and Los Angeles. So, that's good to have acquaintances at the right places. And this one here uh, is just astonishing again. The U.S. House of, is it really, of Representatives overwhelmingly passed bipartisan legislation that reaffirms and enhances U.S. policy commitments to Israel security. So it's an enhanced deal they've made now. 
the United States-Israel Enhanced Security Cooperation Act of 2012, sponsored by House Majority Leader Representative Eric Cantor and House Minority Whip Rep. Steny Hoyer, passed by a vote of 411 to 2. The legislation garnered bipartisan support from 294 co-sponsors prior to passage. The two members that voted against legislation were Representatives Ron Paul, two voted against it, <laughs> and John Dingle. Also, nine members of the House voted to present on the occasion, on the legislation. In addition to expanding military cooperation between the two countries, the legislation states that the U.S. will be, um, uh, there will be U.S. policy to provide Israel with essential military capabilities to preserve its qualitative military edge in the region. I wonder if that's more atom bombs or what. And lots of more equipment, air refueling tankers, etc., in case they go and blow up Iran. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt. We're cutting through the matrix reading about this U.S.-Israel enhancement uh, relationship bill and um, all the goodies that Israel's going to be given for free, special munitions, air tankers for refueling in the air, uh, bunker bombs possibly, and a whole bunch of things. It says, during the floor debate, Cantor and Hoyer spoke about the importance of the legislation to boost the U.S.-Israel strategic relationship. The bill reaffirms Israel's right to defend itself against threats and put Congress on the record about America's long-standing commitment to the U.S.-Israel strategic relationship, a unique and special relationship. That's what they use with Britain and America, too. And that's the relationship of international affairs, or a term that they first coined. In other words, it's, it's beyond politics. It's all under the table stuff uh, that's not for the general public to know about. And so anyway, it says this uh, special relationship founded on shared interests and shared democratic values. Well, what democratic values? Cantor said during his floor remarks, the bill recognizes the profound threats the U.S. and Israel face in the region. What is the U.S. doing in the region? And reiterates our commitment to standing side by side with Israel during this pivotal and dangerous period of transition and instability. Again, you've got to look at that talk I'll put up tonight by Mr. Ban Ki-moon on the Great Transition again. That's the flattening of every country, all its, its, its culture, everything into this new one system of the world, for those who don't know. Hoyer stated that the legislation was vital to increasing cooperation between the two countries so they can further deter Iran from developing nuclear weapons capability and work together to combat terrorism that threatens both our countries. Well, as long as you're in those countries, you'll always have terrorism, and that's what happens when you invade folks' countries. There needs to be a clear understanding by all those who would threaten Israel that the U.S. stands with her because it is in our, the United States, security interest to do so and because it's morally and ethically the right thing to do, says Hoyer. The American-Israel Public Affairs Committee, a lobbying group which lobbied for this legislation during its annual policy conference in March, released a statement applauding the bipartisan support for the legislation. So it's a testament to the broad bipartisan support of American people. American people don't even know what's going on. They've never been given permission for this, for bolstering the ties between the U.S. and our ally Israel, Israel, the APAC statement said. So maybe you should merge the two countries together and just have one parliament, and you'd save having to pay all these different politicians. 
I mean, what, same way Britain, just, just merge with them, have the same, same, this one group, well that's where they're going, isn't it? Where the world government, same thing, I suppose. Yeah. Anyway, that's, uh, that's how it goes. And, of course, we know what happens to Michigan and other places where there's tent cities and all the rest of it, and there's no work anymore, because these same characters that just signed that deal there I was talking about are the same guys that signed the World Trade Organization to make sure all the industry could leave your shores with your tax money funding them to move, actually, and to set them up again. That's what you paid for setting them up in China. A Chinese group plans to construct a 200-acre China city in Michigan. A Chinese group known as Sino-Michigan Properties has brought up 200 acres of land near the town of Milan, Michigan. Their plan is to construct a China city with artificial lakes, a Chinese cultural center, and hundreds of housing units for Chinese citizens. Essentially, it would be a little slice of communist China dropped right into the heartland of America. This China city would be located about 40 minutes from both Detroit and Toledo and would be marketed to Chinese business people that want to start businesses in the United States. Unfortunately, this is not just an isolated incident. In fact, Chinese companies have been buying up land and businesses all over the country in recent years. There's even been talk of establishing special economic zones inside the U.S. modeled after the Chinese city of Shenzhen. It was inevitable that the Chinese were going to do something with the trillions of dollars that have made uh, flooding our shores with cheap products. Now they're roughly buying up pieces of America, and many of our politicians are welcoming them with open arms. That's to get the cash. That's we put our arm, open arms full of the cash. It gets dumped in it. The town of uh, Milan, Michigan, is a small farming community of only about 6,000 people. The big changes are coming their way. And that the following is from a recent Dayton Daily News article about the new projects. And it tells you about what they're, they're doing. It says, unfortunately, the goal does not appear to be to integrate this new city into the existing community in and around Milan. Well, at least you can always go there and get good food. They're pretty cheap, I suppose, you know. And this one here, too, is I mentioned Michael uh, Milken last night. And that he, he made that American business uh, association, of course, that they were talking about where when all the Wall Street guys were protesting the wrong places, they're all inside having uh, the Milken Society, uh, who's noted, by the way, as a financier and philanthropist, yep. a business magnate, and they're on a philanthropy, you know, noted for his role in the development of the market for high-yield bonds, which is called junk bonds, during the 70s and 80s and for his 1990 guilty plea to felony charges for violating U.S. security laws and for his funding of medical uh, research. He was indicted on 98 counts of racketeering and security fraud in 1989 as a result of an insider trading investigation. But he's well connected, of course, and he's got that big organization worldwide that uh, still scammers all yet, you know, get bank bailouts and all the rest of it, and... And what can you do is he's got some, a halo on his head, you might say. Major UK companies cut a secret tax deal in Luxembourg. This is Her Majesty's uh, taxation bill. A parliamentary committee was asked for a report into HMRC's agreements with large companies. So, so major UK-based firms cut secret tax deals with authorities in Luxembourg to avoid millions in corporation tax in Britain, the BBC's Panorama has found. And it's, old, it's the usual suspect, as always. You know, guys with halos again on their heads. Back with more after this.
You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watts. We're cutting through the matrix, talking about the big corporations uh, running the world, as they always have, really. And uh, politicians just uh, follow behind, you know, drooling for the cash that gets thrown behind to, for them to snatch up. That's really how it works. Plus, of course, certain countries even have their own guys in their own governments. Other countries have done that. They've just put them right in and, and they go. Uh, all through corporations, too, same people. And it's got here... Uh, Panorama, of course, BBC's Panorama has found that the scams that are going on with taxes in Britain. And it says the programme obtained confidential tax agreements detailing plans to move profits offshore to avoid what was a 28% corporate tax rate at the time. These involved include, uh, those involved include pharmaceutical giant GlaxoSmithKline, as always, and media company Northern and Shell. Both firms told the program they have a duty to be tax efficient. That's why they did it. We're being tax efficient. Must have paid nothing at all. <laughs> In the case of GSK, that's Glasgow Smith Klein, the UK headquartered firm. So they're, they're, they're got headquarters in Britain, but they set up a new company in the tiny European tax haven of Luxembourg in 2009. And it says, um, in 2010, the new subsidiary lent £6.34 billion to GSK company in the UK. In return, the UK company paid nearly £124 million in interest back to the Luxembourg subsidiary, effectively removing the money from the UK's pro- the company's profits. So easy. For, they're at this. You can't beat these guys. They've been doing this for thousands of years with cash. I mean, you can't beat them. Unless you put real laws through, and nobody's going to do that, see? Because they run the law system, too. But it says here uh, that um, this, this was a quote by uh, Margaret Hodge, the Member of Parliament, Public Accounts Committee Chair. Because of the veil of secrecy surrounding all these decisions around tax, we on behalf of the taxpayer cannot be certain that this was a good, honest and proper deal. That's awfully polite way to say <laughs> they've been screwed, isn't it? You know? So uh, it says that... Um, in Luxembourg, the tax authorities agreed a generous deal to levy tax on that 124 million and effectively less than 0.5% or just over 300,000 pounds. So what a difference, eh? 0.5% as opposed to the UK's 28%. It's just the schmucks who live in Britain. You know, the ordinary folk that always talk about taking care of the ordinary folk, uh, that pay the 28%. So, as a result, the GSK in the UK potentially avoided up to £34 million in UK corporation tax. What will happen about that? Nothing. Nothing. Nothing ever does. I've lived long enough to watch this over and over. Now, as they had big meetings around the end of World War II, in fact, King George had won a world meeting because they decided there wasn't enough killed off during the war, not enough young men especially, and, oh, there's going to be a population boom down the roads, etc., all that kind of stuff, which would interfere, you see, because they planned back then to bring the whole of the British Empire into this flowing of immigrants back and forth, but mainly into Britain. And if there was too many British folk there, obviously, there wouldn't be enough room for all the people coming in. 
so they had to bring down the population of Britain. Tony Blair, of course, told his right-hand man just that in the mainstream, that his job was to open the floodgates to, to Britain, to totally demolish any any trace whatsoever, even, even a, a wisp of, of a trace of what was once called British culture, denationalize them, get rid of the until literally um, you wouldn't know what you were, you wouldn't care what you were, and uh, and because we're having no children or they were all becoming sterile, uh, you would need all these immigrants in to pay off the national debt, according to Thatcher and other politicians since. It's happened across the rest of the world too, by the way, the same technique. But also they knew. When they had their big meetings at the end of World War II, they'd have to do something to bring in sterility. It wasn't just to be a cultural, cultural part be one of it, you know, because Julian Huxley talked about that at the UNESCO. He says we can get them all rotting like rabbits, lots of sex promiscuity, but just we'll, we'll make them infertile in some way or other. There'll be no offspring. And they wouldn't bond either if they were brought up to be very promiscuous. So they wouldn't marry and expect to have children. That was awfully successful. But even at that, of course, the big boys with their scientists on board, uh, like Bertrand Russell and others, talked about ways. And, of course, Charles Galton Darwin, who worked on the Manhattan Project, who was a physicist, uh, he actually suggested sterilizing the public in ways which they wouldn't know, like in their food, in their water, and even in inoculations. Awfully successful. So they knew that they'd begin massive cancers and all the rest of it down the road, and bang, they're right on time. The National Health Service can't cope with the multi-disease patients that are coming in now. People who are younger, actually. The Health Service in the UK cannot cope with the rising number of under-65s with long-term medical conditions and needs radical change, as its study in the Lancet Journal, that's the medical journal, in terms of researchers analysing 1.75 million people in Scotland alone, found that nearly a quarter had two or more chronic diseases. They really hammered them all with inoculations in, in, in the food. Their care was often coordinated and poorly inefficient because you can't see the doctor twice. You see, you don't have a GP generally. It's like Canada, you walk in clinics and you don't even get a chance to sit down. They just stand in what you want, you know, and throw a prescription in your face and walk out again. The team wants a more personal approach to patients with complex problems. At present, healthcare services, medical research and education of medical students are dominated by a focus on individual diseases, the study authors say. Yet rising numbers of people are living with more than two long-term disorders called multimorbidity. If you lived in Britain, you'd be morbid all right, which could include coronary heart disease, diabetes, cancer, stroke and depression hit from a whole multiple range of factors all at once. In general, people with multimorbidity are more likely to live in deprived areas, well, that's Britain, and have a poorer quality of life. Their care is fragmented because they see a number of different specialists, but mainly also because they have no coordinating doctor or general practitioner, you see. So... They're doing another study, you see. They're always doing studies to see how they, they can make it better as they slash the healthcare system to the bone. But uh, it says these disorders were more common amongst poor countries and occurred 10 to 15 years earlier than those amongst living in affluent areas. Uh, but here it is in Britain. It's a third world country now, basically. You know they've got rickets back in London again? Rickets. Yeah. Yeah. As they keep screwing the public for more and more tax money to throw abroad to special countries and things like that. Too. Quite something. Now, it tells you the Scots folk never had much of a, a thing for this strange thing about around London. A lot of people in England don't have it either about the Queen and stuff. 
And they bring out that fairy carriage every so often, you know, guilt and gold, which always kind of seems out of place in the middle of a constant financial depression. And um, the Scots never turn up really to, to wave the hand, uh, the hand waving back at them from the Queen or any of the rest of them. I can remember when I was young, there was a, a proce- I think the Queen went through the, the town once, and people turned out to throw stones at the car. You see, they've never seen them as their royalty anyway, to, to begin with, and they're not. And um, you've got to understand, two just basic things, very simple things, that we shouldn't have kings and queens anyway, but um, they call her the Queen Elizabeth II. Well, it's, that's only of England. She's only the Queen Elizabeth I of, of Scotland, basically. You know, because they, they never, they were not part of England when Mary Queen of uh, Elizabeth I was reigning. Anyway, they've got this little front man in who's a suspicious little character uh, called Alex Salmond, who's supposed to be in charge of the, the, the Scottish National Party and with all these hangers on. And they're, they're all Masons, of course, and they're all uh, doing their subterfuge for Scotland uh, against the Scottish people. But anyway, they had a, a royal parade for Scotland. Recently, it says Alex Salmon, the Prime Minister, this, this titular strange quasi government that they have, their quasi independence nonsense, launches Queen uh, of Scots application, uh, an app for, for their phones. Isn't that a great thing? I mean, didn't you want one of them all your life to have a, have a Queen of Scots application, eh? So it says, um, the, the free app being released to coincide with the Diamond Jubilee. I wish they'd forgive all the folks' debts, like it says in the Bible, eh? Wouldn't that be great? Aims to help people learn more about significant Scots milestones. The only stones I've got are the ones tied to their ankles and tossed in the sea. I mean, because really they've been plummeting for years. Mr. Salmon wants Scotland to become an independent country, but said the Queen would be retained as Head of State. Royal Institute of International Affairs, that's what they said about all the British Commonwealth. It's still the same thing. The announcement came as Prince Charles was in Edinburgh for a royal military march, marking the Jubilee. The Scottish Government said it would be playing a part in a series of events marking the Queen's 60 years on the throne. You ain't getting a stiff by now, eh, sitting there all that time. The First Minister said, amongst the initiatives, a smartphone app will help commemorate the Jubilee by recalling significant milestones in the Queen's reign. It will be an exciting modern treatment uh, testament, it says, to Her Majesty, celebrating the best of Scottish technology while at the same time looking back over the past 60 years. I guess that's a stone that she sits on under the throne. Meanwhile, Charles and Camilla, known as the Duke and Duchess of Rothsey in Scotland, always give them titles at places. They always look, we don't want to have a title. Oh, Rothsey hasn't been taken up yet. Oh, give them that one then. Anyway, they received a royal salute from a parade of Navy, Army and RAF personnel in Scotland's capital, flyovers and, flyovers and everything. They watched the final stage of the march, which started at Edinburgh Castle and continued down the Royal Mile into the forecourt of the Palace of Holyrood House. Now listen to this. It tells you all you need to know about Scotland. There was over 250 military in the Strong Parade, etc., Military, uh, there was soldiers there, uh, sailors and, and, and RAF and all the rest of it. Only 100 people uh, lined the streets at the bottom of the Royal Mile to see what was happening. <laughs> and they were probably all the guys in the Scottish Parliament. The ordinary folk want nothing to do with it. All this rubbish. Rubbish. Scotland has been a, a colony for a long, long time. A long, long time. That's all it is. And it's been plundered, you wouldn't believe. 
J.P. Morgan's $2 billion blunder. It says, bank admits losses on a massive trading bet gone wrong. One of their bets, you know, they're, they're always doing these, these bets. They've taken $2 billion in trading losses in the past six weeks and could face an additional $1 billion in second quarter losses due to market volatility. I guess we're going to bail them out again. So it says, um, a massive trading bet boomeranged on JP Morgan and Chase and Co., leaving the bank with at least $2 billion in trading losses and its chief executive, James Diamond, with a rare black eye, following a long run as what some call the king of Wall Street. So they just made a bad bet, apparently, and, oh, they lost $2 billion and, you know, and, well, I'm sure the public can bail that out, can't they? Couldn't they bail that out? Nobody's going to object about that. It's only $2 billion. That's like the air conditioning for a week over in the Middle East for the soldiers. I mean, it's not a lot of cash, you know, is it? Anyway, um, I won't even bother going into that one because it's just one of these things, isn't it? And now the overseas votes, when it comes to election time, are, they generally pick a country to do it for the U.S. electorate overseas. And this is, who's going to do it this time? Well, it's a company in Spain. For Americans that wonder who's going to count the votes for Obama and all the rest of them. George Soros owns a company that will count America's votes in November. It says, um, we heard the Russian stock market was compromised as Putin predicted that George Soros conspired to weaken the Russian economy, which is, fav- is famous for doing. He sunk Britain too at one point with his little betting gambling contracts that uh, they don't make laws to stop them because they've got halos. Now the U.S. presidential votes are to be counted in Spain by Soros' company called Diebold. It says Soros must be stopped. Let's hope that Putin's arrest order will bring this international criminal down. Now he's a special person, very special person. The Spanish company associated with George Soros will count America's votes overseas in November, submitted by, uh, submitted by the person who sent this in, of course. From the Western Center for Journalism in a piece entitled Spanish Company will count America's votes overseas in November, they state the following in this excerpt. When the Spanish online voting company SCYTL bought the largest vote processing corporation in the United States, it also acquired the means of manufacturing the outcome of the 2012 election. For SOE, the Tampa-based corporation purchased by SCYTL in January, it supplies the election software which records, counts and reports the votes of Americans in 26 states, 900 total jurisdictions across the nation. I'll put this link up tonight as well uh, from uh, westernjournalism.com, Spanish company will count, etc., so uh, it's like Stalin says, I don't care about votes. He says, I only care about who, who counts them. <laughs> it's never changed, eh? Never changed. I mean, don't worry, though. You have a little mini Chinese city uh, going up in Michigan there. Isn't that nice? And the feminists just get to me. They're never happy about anything, you know. As motherhood replacing sexism, as this woman says, I admit it. I've been asking myself this question quietly for a while. Has motherhood replaced sexism as a way to keep women out of the workforce? Oh, it's a big conspiracy. Eh? It's, I'm just not sure of the answer. But Elizabeth Banditer is. She's a famous philosopher and privileged academic from France whose new book, The Conflict, Does Modern Motherhood Undermine the Status of Women? It's making waves in the media on both sides of the Atlantic and is continuing our state of awe over French parenting. 
Her thesis is that the current obsession with natural motherhood, including extended breastfeeding, coarse sleeping, um, disposable diapers, and a closeness between mother and child, has undermined the gains women have made in the workplace and is a new tyranny to women. Our desire to be earth mothers has in fact turned us back into 50s housewives, dependent on our husbands for money and our children for self-esteem. Well, don't have any children and we'll all dis- disappear. Well, that makes a lot more sense, doesn't it? Anyway, you just can't please these people who get grants thrown at them. That they've got so many quirks in, in this thing they're called the brain, you know, that um, you can't please them with anything. And, uh, of course, they want that exogenesis where they can actually start breeding babies outside the mummy's womb because nature made it all wrong, you know. Women suffer during that. It's just unnatural. And they want to make it done properly the way that God forgot, you see. And, and that's just the way it is. Now, I'm also going to put up this tonight, too, that uh, Katerina Jaleva, I talked about the case down in, in Utah, what was happening there. And she'll be on uh, End the Lie Radio this weekend, End the Lie Radio. The date is May the 13th at 11 p.m. Eastern St- uh, Standard Time, which is also 9 p.m. Uh, Mountain Time. So 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time or it's 9 p.m. Mountain Time on, uh, I think it's, yep, it's uh, May the 13th Sunday. So for those who want to follow it to see what's happening and updates, because we're going to start fighting back with this, 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 these people who steal your children. Your government steals your children. You know, in olden times, had all these legends about people who stole your children and always picked certain ethnic groups. Your government's doing it. Your government is the bigger, biggest kidnapper in the planet. That's what it is, kidnapping. You see? In this socialist system, oh, we know better how to raise the children than you do. Russell said he didn't want the children being raised by their parents. They contaminate them with old ideas. Don't fit into, well, communism. Back with more after this break. Hi, folks. I'm Alan Watt. We're cutting through the matrix, and we'll go to Tom from Wisconsin, if Tom's on the line. Hello? Hey, Alan, I just got on. Um, I, I was, I, I've been awake for a long time, and I think you can recall from previous phone calls that I've made into your, your broadcast. And um, every day it seems like there's, there's like new levels that I can, you know, perceive and I can, I'm able to break through. And I, I've been watching some movies lately because I have time and, you know, I'm not sure what else to do living in the control grid that I live in in the city. And, um, it's just, it's really incredible. I, I, I really, I really can't see, um, a turnaround for the better from the general population, as you said before, as others have said, because the entertainment Yep. The, the freely available entertainment, the propaganda that is is strategically placed within the entertainment, yep. it so reinforces the false reality that um, unless you're unless you're averse to going along with what you're told, or unless you're averse to um, you know being an obedient worker, yep. um, 
there's I, there's I, I just I just can't I just can't see it because even people that I know that that are semi awake, they they just go along with it and they they take the benefits and the privileges and and don't even bother to even be concerned with with what you know we 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 tend to call rights but are are not right. apparently. That's right. The, the, the true spirit of a country is that which binds you together. And, and really, the, the mores and, and things which bound Americans together have been, oh, really demolished and chipped away for, for a hundred years, uh, more so since the 50s onwards. And uh, there, people are disconnected from each other now. And it's true enough, they always give you the predictive programming in the latest dramas, movies, which will tie in with what's going to happen now or, or next week or next month. So you're already prepared for it. It's a, a, an incredible tool. And most folk live in a, a semi-hypnotic nature. But also, that what replaced the old bonding and, and, and the, the decency that Americans really, really had, um, what's replaced it is egocentric behavior and self-centeredness. And, of course, that's exactly what the big boys in the Macy group and the Frankfurt School that were, were given permission to bring in a new American culture after World War II said they'd bring in, make them hedonistic, and of course they used Bernays for that too, and, and, and they would be self-centered. They would not step out their way to help other people or even come together under common values. As you're destroying the common values, they wouldn't come together and stand as a group and say enough is enough in any particular issue. And that's a technique of warfare, of course. And they don't realize they've been under warfare long before 9-11. They just simply don't know it. Yeah, yeah and, and, and another thing, too, is, is this, whole, this whole illusion of money. Yeah. And, and, and it's like, it's, it's just like, it's a piece of paper with some printing on it. Mm-hmm. And, and the people run around and chase it and they don't even realize that they may have a house with electricity and the television and they have gas they can put in their truck or their car and they can go to the grocery store and buy food. But they're so disconnected from the land that, yeah. that, that when this all comes down, when, when, when the, when the Obama camp actually brings down the, 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 the food on the face of humanity, mm-hmm. it, it's going to be so brutal. That that I I'm concerned that um you know I, I I'm concerned that I won't even be able to get out of a situation that that totally spirals out of control. I know, the money is also a weapon. Remember that too, and uh, it's constantly being inflated. That's the plan for the next ten years, according to the Federal Reserve, and you can't save it up because it's worth nothing at the end of the ten years. So you can't play this game. It's not meant for us. It's meant for the big boys I mentioned earlier. That's who it's meant for, um, as a domination tool. But um, a lot of folk are forgetting out of the country now and to other countries that they'll take longer to reach them, and, and good luck to them because this is the way it's going down. It's getting worse and worse by the week. Thanks for calling. From Hamish, myself, Ontario, Canada, it's good night, and may God's go with you.